So I call that remote learning, not really online learning, because what you're doing is just replicating the traditional classroom, but online. Of course, that's not going to work. If it wasn't working in a physical space, how do you expect for it to work online? What's up, everybody? My name is Ish, and I'm the founder of Virtually. And this is Reshaping Education, where we discuss the future of higher education, including online trade schools, boot camps, ISAs, and so much more. Today's conversation was with Anna Fabrega and Chrisman Frank of Synthesis. We had a super fun conversation about the founding of Synthesis and how this dynamite team is working to reimagine K-12 education and creating engaging learning experiences for kids. I hope you enjoy. Hey everyone, my name is Ish, founder and CEO of Virtually, and today I'm joined by Anna Fabrega, an edupreneur and the chief evangelist of Synthesis, and Chrisman Frank, the founder and CEO of Synthesis. So amazing to have you guys here. I've, I've known both of you for quite a while uh, through two completely different sources, and now you guys are working together. So really, really great to have you guys on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you for having us, Ish. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate it, man. Glad to do it. Yeah, and and Chris, I don't know, or, or Chrisman, sorry, I uh, I uh, I don't know if I ever told you this, but you were the very first angel investor in virtually. Uh, you did, you did tell me. I remember that call. And, and, uh, yeah, you snuck in right before YC Demo Day. I remember. It, yeah. And I, I don't know if Chrisman's told, told you the story, but it was two weeks before Demo Day. We weren't even raising yet. I was getting on this uh demo call i was supposed to be doing a demo call but you know nobody got on the call usually this happens like i think like probably 20 10 to 20 percent of the, like these demos nobody actually shows up and so nobody was getting like five minutes 10 minutes and like what's going on maybe i'll shoot him an email i don't always do this decided to send chris an email hey like are you getting on the zoom call here's the link um and then he gets on the call we have a 20 minute conversation and he's like, are you guys racing by any chance? I'm like, well, not quite yet, but you know, like in like a couple of weeks, he's like, I want in. And, and then, uh, within, I was, I was shocked. I was like, okay, I, I'll send, I'll send a safe, see what happens. Safe was signed. Money was wired and boom, our very first angel investor. <laughs> you were like, uh, just like that. I was like, yeah, like this seems, I, seems obvious enough. And you, you seem like, uh, you seem like the guy to get it done. Yeah. Have you regretted that decision since? Uh, no, no, not at all. Like it's, uh, yeah, things, things are looking up for uh, for virtually as far as I can tell. Yeah, yeah. Well, super honored to have you as an angel investor in the company. But today we're not here to talk about virtually. We are talking about Synthesis, which is a program uh, that we spoke about the first time we got on a call together. And uh, it's a program that I've long time admired. And so before we kind of dive into some of the juicy topics I have about just education and kind of all the changes that are happening right now but over the past year because of covid chris chrisman take us take us back to the history of uh synthesis like what is the origin story here and how how did you get started oh wow yeah um <clears throat> I, I always say like the seeds were the seeds were planted when uh when elon walked into uh my co-founder josh's classroom he's a teacher at la's merman school for the gifted and uh, just imagine like, you know, Elon walks in to parent teacher conference night and he, I don't know exactly what he said, but it's something like, Hey, uh, I don't like this school. I think it's uh, you know, this is, this school's not right. And Josh being the teacher is like, Oh, okay. 
Um, but I, but I like you, Elon goes on It's just like, okay, well that's good. And so why don't you come start a school for, for me on the, on the SpaceX campus. And, uh, we'll just, we'll just start a little school. I don't know how it's going to go, but let's, let's try it out. And so Josh is like, okay, I'll think about that. And he uh, pretends to think about it, stays up all night pretending to think about it. And like 5.07 a.m. emails Elon, hey, I'm in, let's do it. And then just radio silence, like Elon doesn't get back to him, uh, for, you know, for, for quite a while. And so Josh, like checking his, he's like, you know, when you're like refreshing your email, like looking, waiting for a current, for a critical email, he was doing that for like four months until Elon finally just wrote back like, hey, yeah, you know, been crazy busy. Let's, uh, let's do this thing though. And so that was the start of, uh, of Ad Astra, which is, you know, school de- like designed by uh, primarily by Josh, but at Elon's direction with like the, his, you know, kind of uh, first principles approach, like, like he does everything. And uh, Josh ran that school for, I think, six, six years, um, very small school at SpaceX, you know, I think uh, 35 kids at the peak or something like that. And um, Josh and I met when I was working at Class Dojo is looking for content to uh, distribute through Class Dojo's just, you know, enormous network, something like 30 million teachers, parents and kids use Class Dojo. And I was the first engineer there and uh, moved into content and was just looking for ways to use the network to get amazing ideas, you know, direct to classrooms without going through the district or the stuff and sell something to the school, something like that. And so Josh and I, uh, we met, you know, in that context, and I was just kind of blown away by the school in general, but particularly by Synthesis, which is like this, uh, you know, games-based learning. Kids played these these really complex and novel team games, and uh, I just, the kids were obsessed with it, and I could just see that it was producing this communication ability and critical thinking ability in these kids that, you know, really blew me away. And I felt like this, this like just sinking feeling in my stomach, like I have to get my kids into this. Like they, they can't get this and they're going to be at such a disadvantage if they don't get it. And uh, so I just started immediately kind of trying to convince Josh to like, let's, let's get this, uh, let's do something to scale this up, right? Like this is amazing. And uh, we kept talking about it and we worked on some projects together at Dojo and then COVID hit and we started, uh, we started thinking seriously about, you know, doing an online version of Synthesis. And so just, uh, you know, we just did our initial tests like in August and then I just kind of, you know, run with it from there. <laughs> met Anna in like uh, November, I think. And uh, yeah, I think we met you somewhere in there right when we were getting started. And that, it just feels like that just feels like years ago. It feels like both years ago and like yesterday in, in a weird way. Um, so, yeah, anyways, that, that's the that's a quick version. Yeah, totally. I, I can I can certainly relate. And And again, we've you know, we've been longtime admirers of Synthesis. It's clearly that you guys are doing something really new and novel and, and it's working. And so, uh, Anna, I want to kind of uh, turn it over to you and ask how how did you get end up getting connected with Chrisman and, and how did you know that you wanted to get involved with Synthesis? Yeah, so, so it's interesting. It's sort of like that internet serendipity, right? Um, so I, I was a former teacher. I taught for many years in different schools in different countries. Um, and I love teaching and working with kids, but then I grew concerned with what many people see and what Elon talks about, the things that he saw as well. You know, like I realized that the path, you know, created by the system, a lot of kids don't thrive through that path. I was concerned with the lack of engagement in the different schools and classrooms and sort of like learning lacked purpose. The kids didn't really know why they were there and why they were learning the things that they were learning. 
and the incentives that the schools were using to get kids to want to learn just didn't feel right. Um, and they weren't doing a lot of the things that I thought kids should be doing nowadays in order to thrive in the real world, right? They weren't really using their creative potential and being original or learning how to solve interesting problems. And so I decided to leave last year, um, a bit over last year, and then I started writing and creating content online with the hope to meet people that were working on different things in alternative education and um, and see if I could be part of something like this or create something um, like a learning experience that kids would actually want to be part of, because that's really when learning starts, when the kids voluntarily opt in the process, right? And so I, so Chrisman reached out um, at the beginning of the of 2000 of 2020 he found me through my writing i was still starting to build my audience as miss fab which is my brand and at the time he was working at dojo and he was trying to find a way for miss fab to collab with dojo and it seemed interesting but then in one of those conversations he mentioned this like side hustle that he was working on synthesis was not public yet um and the moment he started talking about it, I was like, hold it. I need to hear more about this. This sounds really incredible, but I really want to be able to see it in order to see you know, what this is about. So he invited me to one of the beta testing sessions, and that's when I was blown away. I was blown away by the, how engaged the kids were, how, how they were really leading the learning experience, how they were making friends online. I was used to seeing online courses that were very passive and teacher directed and just not engaging. And this was the opposite. The kids were just at the edge of their seat. And I saw them introducing like mental models and the kids were using the mental models and just really trying to solve problems in collaboration and competing against other teams. I was really blown away by this model, especially because I hadn't found a way to scale um, a learning experience like this. And they had done it through gamifying the learning process and through the software that they had created. And so um, one thing led to the other and I was really passionate about this. So we decided to partner up and that's where I am now. So now we're excited. I helped them launch in October. And now we are trying to get this experience to as many families as we can and hopefully make it be part of the every kid's education. Yeah, that that's amazing. And Anna, I know last time we had a conversation, we just talked about like, hey, we were this was like just a few months after like COVID had hit, and everybody was scrambling to figure out how do you deliver education online, and specifically how do you deliver education online for kids, people who are like pretty antsy and like want to move around and and do things. And you you had finally found like a model that seemed to be working to keep you know students engaged. And so I'm curious, like, what you guys have both discovered in terms of like how do you create a really engaging experience for for students online and what are most what are most programs getting wrong mm. i think it's you know I, I i really believe kind of the way to start is you just take take things that are that work already and you know try to do some make some adjustments to do an online version of that i think the thing i see the biggest mistake in my view is you take something that doesn't really work in a classroom setting, in a physical setting, and then you put it online. Well, like then it, you know, it works even less. And so I think, you know, really synthesis, the, you know, the company comes from like synthesis, the learning experiences that Josh has been designing and, and testing like this stuff is, we didn't like just come up with it right when COVID started. Cause like we need something to do online. Like this is, you know, this is the way Josh has been doing it for at least, six years and, and, and maybe a little bit longer. Um, so, you know, I think, I think that that's my view on it. Like whatever, whatever works, 
you know, I, I think there are, there are, there are further afield ideas, right? There are things that you can do kind of uniquely online. Like the, the games have changed a lot when we went from just doing them in in-person classroom to doing it online, you change a lot of things because you, you just have more powerful tools um, when you're, when you're learning on the internet. So I think there's, you can definitely like augment those experiences, but you have to start with a core of like things that kids are going to actually want to do and enjoy. And, you know, the, I, I think that's just the easiest approach is just like start with what's what already works. And like, we've been educating kids for a really long time. There's a lot of, a lot of good knowledge out there about how to create programs that, that actually work. So that, that'd be my, my take on it. Yeah. Um, the way that I see it, and I've spoken about this before is that people who did not have like a positive online learning experience is mostly because what happened with COVID was that everyone just sort of like migrated to the online space, but they just continue doing the things that they were already doing in the classroom. So I call that remote learning, not really online learning, because what you're doing is just replicating the traditional classroom, but online. Of course, that's not going to work. If it wasn't working in a physical space, how do you expect for it to work online? Um, so I think that the best way and the best online courses that I've taken out there and that I've seen that are very successful are the ones that really just try to rethink the whole experience from scratch and with an online audience in mind, right? So um, I joined one of the cohorts and I can talk a little bit about that later called Rite of Passage, um, which was a cohort model, you know, and it was synch synchronous, which was the first time that I took a course like this. And I think that the reason why it worked and it's sort of like what synthesis has done and it's worked really well, is that you remove the incentives and the things that that are not really valuable online. Like you remove the accreditation and the tests and like the grades and all these things that sort of like drive learning towards that. And then um, you find other sort of incentives. And then you really make it like a peer-to-peer -peer learning environment where the students, whether it is adults or kids are really engaged in the experience, they're talking, they're part of it. You remove lectures and you really just make it you try to make it as dynamic and as social as you can. Um, so that's one thing. And then the other thing, like Chrisman was saying, you look at what's already working. So the hardest thing to do when it comes to learning, I think, is like engaging the students. Like a lot of traditional schools, like the big problem is that it's an engagement crisis, right? Like the kids just they aren't interested in the things that they're learning or the methods or just the way that they're learning. So what synthesis did was I, I thought it was genius is you grab games kids are obsessed with games they love to play games and you don't need to try very hard for them to be engaged when there's a game involved and then once they're already engaged then you add the learning so it's sort of like the opposite of what you see in schools in schools the teachers have like the curriculum the lesson the objectives and then they're like okay we need to engage the kids let's add a game we're doing it the other way around. So I feel like that really helps in an online environment. And then also having the process be voluntary, like, like a, a voluntary process, right? Like in school, kids are there because they have to go. At Synthesis, we really try to make it a case so that kids see what this is about and having them want to join because they, they find it exciting because they want to meet other kids from other countries and because they want to be part of this experience. And when they join with that attitude, the entire you know, the entire experience is different. They're engaged, they're committed. Um, and I feel like those are some things that online courses that are done well, really double down on. And Synthesis is really doing that. And we're seeing it um, when you look at the kids taking the courses and talking about them and inviting their friends. It's just incredible. Yeah. And it's awesome to kind of see this transform transformation of online education. I think like when when traditionally we were thinking about online education, I think for the longest time, we were thinking about like University of Arizona online, and it's taken us years to kind of unlearn 
and and deassociate you know these types of like self-paced async content as what's associated with online education. I know Udemy came out in two thousand eight. You know we had Udacity, Coursera, MOOCs, all these different kind of forms of online education, but nothing really worked. And it seemed like finally around twenty seventeen we started seeing programs like Alt MBA. Lambda School, Forte Labs, Rite of Passage, and they really seem to be working because one, this like live community aspect, but also something that's been really trendy on Twitter is like this cohort model. And I think, Anna, you alluded it, to it right now, but what is this cohort model and, and why, why does it work in your eyes? Yeah, well, I, I think that because you you most of this courses you're building in public so whatever it is that you're doing like you have to publish something or you have to do something so that really creates accountability but also you're being you know the accountability component doesn't come with a test or with passing this but rather like you have your peers are holding you accountable again you have to publish something so those are sort of what's the, the things that are driving you and i find it really interesting because that's the opposite of what happens in traditional education right like you have other measures for accountability so that's one thing that i see that works really well um but then also how you are learning with a group of people that again if you if you join this classes you're paying some you know an amount of money the good ones it's sort of like a significant amount of money. So you're invested, right? You're making a commitment to do this. Um, and and so you, you sort of like find what you're interested in and you find the group of people that are in the course that are sort of like doing the same thing and have sort of like the same goals as you and you help each other. And it just creates a culture um, of learning that's very different from what you see in person, right? I don't know. It's like, it's like a it's more, it's like an option, like you're, you, you're opting in the learning process. I think Seth Godin calls this um, enrollment. So there's just like this concept that he talks about in online learning when you, you are choosing to enroll in the learning experience for many reasons other than getting a certificate or passing a test. Um, so I think that that's one thing that they do really well. Yeah, that, that's excellent. And, and one thing uh, that I want to step back and talk about is actually more in depth with the synthesis program. I think we've at a high level talked about it. But tell us, what, what is the synthesis program and what does it look like for a student enrolled in the program week by week? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the kind of, I, th I think, uh, sort of like the hazy kind of vision that we had in the beginning was to just start, uh, you know, the, the, the time was right to start an online school, right? That basically with COVID is just accelerating a pre-existing trend, which I think is going to be the unbundling of of what we think of as school, right? So I think I think in the future, it will it will seem irresponsible to most parents to just trust your child's education to the local school. I don't think local schools are going away because I think they provide community, like a peer community, uh, daycare, like a lot of things that are really great. But I think education is going to move to the internet, like the academic, like improving your child's cognitive ability. That's, that's all going to the internet because the internet's improving and exponential pace and the local schools, you know, are not. And there's also advantages in scale, right? Like when Josh is making these games for his little independent school, um, he's making them for like 35 kids. Well, when you're making them for, you know, 35,000 or, you know, eventually like 35 million kids, like you can, you, some of that work scales, right? So you can put a lot more effort into creating really amazing learning experiences. And so that's, that's kind of like the, uh, 
you know, the, the like vague idea we started with, we, we think eventually, you know, synthesis is going to be like kind of like a full, you will be able to entrust your kids to synthesis when they're seven years old. And by the time they're 14, they're going to have a very good, the best in the world, like broad education. So that's the goal. The starting point is to start with synthesis, very narrow, right? It's these, it's these games. It's like, if we've alluded to, it's online team games. And uh, the question that we get from people, you know, after that kind of description, it's like, okay, well, like, well, like, why don't they just play Call of Duty? Like, what's the, what's the difference, right? And, uh, and first of all, I think, you know, your kids should, should play Call of Duty. My kids play, they play video games. And I think video games can be like really educational, but synthesis is going a little bit, a little bit deeper than, than just like playing games. I think the biggest thing is the, we're, we have this kind of like, uh, this kind of loop where, so you start off, you're, you're with a team, you're analyzing and you're planning, right? You have like a planning phase. You've actually got to, got to discuss and like make decisions. Then the game starts and it's all, it's all chaos. Everything's moving really fast. There's not really enough time to think. And you're learning to adapt to chaos and make decisions under uncertainty. After the game ends, then we're having like reflective discussion about it. And that's, that's really the key. Like, I think there's a quote by uh, John Dewey that like, that, that, it's not really your experiences. It's that your reflection on experience that drives learning. And so we're, we're, are, we're sort of doing this, this trick where we're tricking kids into thinking about their own thinking by playing the game, right? Like they, it's something they want to improve at and they want to win. And so you're kind of tricking and tricking them into building these like metacognitive skills by talking about, you know, how, what, what went wrong with their strategy? Like what, what mistakes did they make in their thinking? How can they improve it over the next time? Um, so that's kind of, that's kind of the, the basics we're starting with right now. It's only once a week. So the kids join, it's like an extracurricular, like uh, enrichment program. You can do it once a week though. We're, we're going to be adding more so kids can participate more than that if they like. Um, but that's, that's kind of the, uh, that's the starting point. Any, anything to add to that? I yeah, um, I guess that the way that I see it is um, the other day I was listening to a podcast um, with Naval and Joe Rogan and Naval was saying how essentially like automation will is going to eventually like over the long period of time replace every non-creative job. And I was like, well, um, schools are not teaching kids to be creative and they're not teaching kids to be original. They're teaching kids to do the kinds of jobs that will be replaced. Right. Um, and in a way that's not fun or engaging. So considering that schools are not doing a good job doing this, well, we need to, we need to find something for them to learn how to solve interesting, you know, what, what does it mean to be creative? Like, what, what does that even mean? Creative jobs, like solve interesting problems, come up with your own ideas, be able to communicate eloquently, be able to solve, you know, problems in teams, make decisions wisely. So how do we teach kids how to do this? And that's sort of like what synthesis is doing again, with this game-based approach, um, you know, the kids are in teams and they're competing with others, collaborating, but they're really like, they're learning, we're giving them the vocabulary and the game theory to talk about the different patterns that they see. We're helping them develop like this body of tools that we call mental models for them to understand how the world works and know what to do when they're outside the classroom. We teach them the meta game. The kids learn how to communicate effectively. They learn how to figure things out, which is something that in school, they give you instructions. They give you, they tell you what to do. And that's not how the real world operates. So really what I love about synthesis is that we're creating, you know, we're, we're creating the content and sort of like the vision and where we want this to go thinking, okay, what, what are kids going to need in the real world and making it as 
similar to the real world as we can. Um, and kids love this. And the other thing that's really interesting that happens at Synthesis is that we understand that kids actually do love a challenge. And Chrisman and I have talked about this before, how a lot of what happens in school, you know, like it's not complex enough, like we water things down because it's easier to grade and it's easier to manage, but really the real world is extremely complex. So, and we understand that when kids are motivated correctly and they understand why they're there, they want to do things that are difficult. They don't want things that are easy. So we really incorporate this and it's part of the way we engage kids and kids learn you know, how to synthesize things, how to make ethical decisions, all this through a game. Um, so, so really, I think it's such a vital thing that every kid needs to have as part of their education, regardless if they're homeschooled or they're going to regular school or online learning. Every kid needs to be able to do this in order to thrive in the jobs they're going to have in the future and just to have like a happy life, right? Like these are all things that we need to do in order to live happily. So yeah, synthesis is on the way to, to doing all this through games. So it's incredible. That's, that's excellent. I absolutely love the theory here. I, something that's a little bit topical is like we finally have vaccines. There's finally like an end in sight when it comes to this global pandemic, which means, you know, things things might start to go back to normal, you know, within the next like six to 12 months. And so uh, the question that must be on your guys' mind, I mean, we get asked by by investors all the time is, is do you feel like that's an existential threat to what you guys are building and what role does synthesis play when in-person communities and and education is feasible again? Do you actually get asked that by investors? Every they, single time. They, they think they, they're in there. So these are, these are technology venture, venture investors who have the thesis that the world's going to go back. Not, not very good go, ones, but, go but, to, but certainly. And, and I'm sure that like the response I have to this is, is probably similar to how you're thinking about it. I mean, yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I mean, like our, our I don't, I don't know what's going to happen there, but I know a lot of our customers are, it's not really driven by COVID. Um, partly, part of it seems to be driven by people seeing what their kids are doing in, in school. So they can see when their normal school, you know, move the classes online and they can see kind of how their, that school approaches learning and they're going, they're horrified and they're going, Oh, Oh, I need to do something else. Like, let me, let me see what's, what's out there. And they find synthesis that way. Um, so I, I think, you know, my, my original, the thesis we talked about earlier, like, I, I just think that it's, it's going to be an irresponsible parenting decision to leave your child's education to the local school. And really like, no matter how good the local school is, it's just, it's just really going to be tough to compete with, uh, with the internet. And I think a lot of COVID maybe woke up a lot of parents to that earlier, but I think that trend is, uh, I think that trend is basically bound to continue. Yeah. And, and I tend to agree with you there. I mean, again, same with virtually, you know, people, people ask us all the time, is this something you're worried about? And, and, and fundamentally we're not, I, I think people didn't pre COVID people didn't realize that this type of education could work online. And now, millions are experiencing experiencing yeah. the power of what happens when you remove geography as a barrier mm -hmm. to learning you make education mm -hmm. 10 times more accessible and 100 times more affordable and i think yeah. now that people have tasted it you can't go back i mean the yeah. roi is just there and so yeah definitely something i'm i'm really excited about but the last the last kind of uh question i want to leave you guys with uh before we come to a close is looking ahead i think i think COVID has created a lot of interesting change and a lot of ideas uh, in the education space, but what do you guys feel are the real trends versus the fads that you think are 
going to largely just dissipate once things do go back to normal. Hmm. I think definitely one thing that that's, you know, we've seen for a while is this, um, I always kind of jokingly say, like, if you want to, if you want to teach something, then, then just get really rich. And then, then you can, then you can teach it. People will listen to you. Right. And you can see that with like Naval or like Warren Buffett before him is like, I think I read a bit about Warren Buffett and I think he may have actually just tried to become the world's richest person just so people would listen to him. So he could be a teacher. I think that's actually like his passion. And so I think this, you see that with like masterclass, right? They're finding people who are actually like very successful or, or David Perel's uh, the rite of passage. Like you're, you know, he's a successful writer online. And so people, people want to learn from, other people who are good at that thing. And I just, I don't see that. I, I don't see that stopping. And I think, you know, that's, that's going to have interesting implications for universities because I think, you know, a lot fewer people want to be college professors than, than want to be, you know, uh, successful, you, you know, entrepreneurs or just successful in, in, uh, in whatever other career. So I think that's a, that to me, I see is like a really big one. Yeah. To me, and similar to that, right. It's like, with everything going online, like people have realized that the internet has no boundaries, right? And, you know, for example, when I left the school and I wanted to um, explore the alternative education space, I was in Panama and I was like, well, how am I going to find people that want to talk about this and that are building things in this space? And, you know, who, where am I going to find these people? And the internet opens those doors and enables that. So you're able to connect with people from all over the world and you're able to learn with people from all over the world. I never knew, like, I didn't even imagine that I was going to be able to make friendships and like true friendships online and find, you know, for example, like now I'm working with Chris Men. like I found him online. We've never met in person. So I really think that um, those, the, the online communities that are forming, that are done well, and that people again opt in and those like niche communities, like you're never going to find anything like that in person, right? Because it's really difficult to gather together the best minds or like-minded people in one physical location. So I feel like anything that's like this cohort-based models, I think they're going to still be very popular, um, especially because, again, you get to be with people that otherwise you would have never met. Um, so that's not going to go anywhere. Um, and then all the people that have been creating content and creating their online persona and have seen all the benefits that come from this, that's also not going to go. I feel like more people are going to be um, starting to work on these things. And I'm really interested in getting kids involved in this from an earlier age, right? Because I think about like all the things that they, where, where they would be, they start earlier, um, you know, building their identity online. So anyway, that's something I'm really excited. And, and I think that synthesis is doing a great job getting kids ready for this. Yeah. I think I just touched on that. I think the most, the one trend I'm most excited about is kids kind of I think, I think, I think it's this weird historical anomaly that you're, you're just kind of useless to society until you're like 22 or 23 and you graduate college. And then, then, then you just like are kind of thrown into the adult world and your teachers are kind of like threatening you with it your whole life. Like, well, wait till you get in the real world. Like that's not going to fly. And like really historically, there's a very short period of time where we've kept people kind of away from the adult world for such a long time. And so I'm really excited about Synthesis, the idea is like provide like kind of an accelerated education. I'm really excited to see what happens when these 14, 15 year olds start, you know, kind of actually entering, entering the world. I mean, I know there's, there's that one guy, he's, uh, he's like a VC. I think he's like 20, like he started a podcast and now he's a VC and he's like oh, 20 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, is that yeah. his name? Yeah. So that, I, I'm excited yeah. to see more 
more of that, right? Because if you if you read history, people accomplished a lot more at a lot younger ages than than you know, than they do now. And I think a huge reason for that is just the default kind of expectation is like you're just kind of you're in school forever. It's uh, Josh calls it like the waiting place from uh, Dr. Seuss's "Oh, the places you'll go," and you know the, so you people kind of end up despondent, especially as teenagers, because they're like, "I'm ready. Like I want to go get a foot in the world and start start making things happen." So that's the thing I'm most excited about is just seeing like human capacity unlocked on, you know, I think it's going to initially be kind of the crazy people like outliers or who are, you know, foregoing college and maybe even high school. But I think the long letting that trend play out over a couple of decades is going to be really, really interesting. And I think really good for humanity. Yeah. Absolutely. With that said, uh, thanks so much for you guys coming on. Do you guys have any last minute plugs that you want to give to the audience uh, in terms of how they can keep up with you guys on social media, learn more about synthesis? Yeah. Um, so for me, social media is basically my Twitter account. So Anna Fabrega 11. Um, I'm also on YouTube since recently. Um, and I have a newsletter called Fab Fridays that you can subscribe at, at afabrega.com. Um, yeah. And Chrisman. I'm at Chrisman Frank on Twitter. And yeah, that's the only uh, only kind of presence I have as well. And how can people learn more about synthesis if they want to get involved? Go to well, either go to our Twitters or go to synthesis.is. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Awesome. Well, hey, guys, this was a blast. Thanks so much for coming on. And uh, yeah, have a great rest of the day. Thank Thanks, you. Rich. Good to see you. And that was Anna Fabrega and Chrisman Frank of Synthesis. If you're interested in learning more about Synthesis, go on over to synthesis.is. And if you're interested in what we're cooking up at Virtually or starting your own cohort-based program, check out tryvirtually.com. And lastly, if you enjoyed this episode or you regularly check out the podcast, definitely subscribe on your favorite podcast player and give us a rating. It really helps with discoverability for other people to find some of our great content. With that, this is Ish, signing off. 